0: Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader, Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.pagesiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Praise the Lord. If you started singing like you ended singing, you'd have started to see the most amazing things happen here, even before I said a single word. But I believe we're going to end the session by singing loudly and with hearts that are open. Are we? Good. Good evening again. I have been preaching for the last 10 years, and every time I preach, it is my prayer that the things that I say change the people who listen to the Word forever. I believe that God does that all the time because His Word will not return to Him empty. But I would like to think that the words I say to you today will truly and most certainly change the way you look at Jesus, change the way you look at your faith, and in fact change everything about you forever. Say amen. Amen. Because what I'm going to talk about today is a subject that very often is misunderstood and a subject that very often is abused. It is the topic of grace. But in order for us to understand that, I need to revise a few things, and this will be good for all those of you who have never heard me before. It also will be good for those of you who have heard me before, because this will serve as a revision of a very elemental fact about what we believe in. Imagine this hall. I know some of you have heard this before, but I'm not going to ask you to forgive me because if God wants you to listen to it again, it's for a reason, okay? Imagine this hall is divided into two, which it is. And imagine that this side of the hall is the world, and this side of the hall is heaven. So I'm looking at all happy faces over here, because (laughs) all of you are very happy that you're on the heaven side of the fence. Now, these are not physical states. These are not places. Okay? The world is not planet Earth, and heaven is not someplace up there in the sky. These are spiritual states that define who we are in relation with God. In heaven, you're with God. In the world, you're separated from God. Is everybody with me? Here in the world, we were doomed to death and destruction, and there was no way we could make the crossing over to the other side. The only way we could do that is if God came down and took us over to the other side. Everybody still with me? Now, I'm also going to talk about something that I spoke about last week so that all of you know how scriptural what I am saying truly is. Is everybody alert? I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Listen carefully. You were dead in the world. Through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Everybody still with me? Good. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, through our trespass, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. This, my brothers and sisters, is the word of the Lord. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it. And this is a question you should know, because I've already given you the answer. When we were stuck in the world, trying to get close to God, could any of us bridge the gap and get over to the other side? Could we? Everybody? No. How did we do it? Through Jesus, who came to the other side, not because we did anything to deserve it, but simply and purely because his love for us was so great, he came and he took us over to the other side where all of us now belong. Everybody still with me? What happened to this grace after he brought us over to the other side? We all speak about amazing grace as this movement from death to life. But what happened to the grace after we received the life? How come nobody talks about that grace anymore? And like Paul often asks, he says, are you foolish? That having been saved by the spirit, you started your journey with him, you know, ending with the flesh. Which means you're trying To be this holy, godly person that God wants you to be through your own efforts and your own power. And I see the entire church doing that. And why do I see the entire church doing that? Because we're constantly told to do that. We constantly said this is what you need to do and this is what you don't need to do. What the church doesn't teach us. And by the church I mean our teachers, which sometimes includes me is how to do it. Now, in order for us to understand this, I want to talk about something that Paul speaks about. He speaks about boasting. And the reason why God saved us is so that we will not boast. We will not say it is our own efforts that do it. Now, how does boasting start? Because all of us boast, don't we? When we get a promotion, when we get a lovely husband or a lovely wife, when we get a beautiful car, What do we do? The first thing we do is open their mouth and say, look at what I got. Isn't that true? We do well in our jobs and, you know, we manage to get a better house. And what do we do? Boast. Say it. Boast. Why do we boast? Because ever since we were little children, we have been taught that we need to succeed. And we've also been taught that in order to succeed, we need to put in a lot of effort. Do you remember your childhood days? You do? Good. Yeah, mother, father. She remembers it very well. Good. Mother, father tells the child, hey, look, you better study hard because if you don't study hard, you're going to be a good-for-nothing person who will end up sweeping somebody's kitchen. Have you heard that? I've heard that. (laughs) But if you do well... You will be very successful in life. You will be rich. I will send you to Harvard. Those days, Harvard was big. Have you heard that too? Yes, good. I'm glad you're nodding your heads because I've heard that. And we've also noticed one more thing from this. Is that every time we do well and we go to our parents, we see their faces light up like a Christmas tree. But whenever we don't do well and we go in front of them, what happens? That Christmas tree suddenly becomes dark as a cloud. Have you seen that happen? You useless person, you see disappointment written all over their eyes. Which is why when we grow up, the only thing on most of our minds is to become successful in what we do. Become great in what we do. And not only that, be recognized for the great things that we do, true or false. I'm not finding fault with anybody. This is the way of the world. But unfortunately, we have transposed our entire outlook of the world into our spiritual lives. And which is why many of us think that in order to get all these blessings that God wants to give us, we need to do everything he asks us to do. This is also something that we've learned as little children. If you're a good boy, God will bless you. If you're not a good boy, be careful. The devil will come and take you away. I've heard this. Have you heard it? Of course, in my days, they didn't speak so much about Jesus Christ as Santa Claus. And you remember your mother telling you, you want presents this Christmas, you better be good because he knows everything. And if you're not good, you're not going to get anything. Have you heard that too? This is the value system that we've grown up with. And unfortunately, and this is an indictment against every preacher who's ever spoken about the law. They've also taught us the same thing. Very often, quoting scripture. And I'm going to quote you a couple of scripture verses that I bet you've heard. Not once or twice. I bet you've heard many times. I'm going to begin with Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 9 onwards. Don't open your Bibles. Just listen to me. Tell me if you've heard this or not, okay? You're going to hear a lot of scripture today, by the way. I hope you like scripture. Do you like scripture? I don't hear you. Okay. A lot of new people here today. New people means quiet people. (laughs) Quiet people means boring preaching. Because this preacher likes noise and he likes a lot of it. And the only way I know of to make you make noise is this, okay? You got to stand up. You got to put those beautiful hands up in the air like so. And you got to sing after me, okay? Sing it in a melodious voice. Hallelujah. Oh, beautiful. Hallelujah. 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 Beautiful. Please be seated. <laughs> you know, I got about a dozen testimonies uh, just over the last 24 hours and it was so gratifying to see the wonderful things that God is doing in your lives. People getting jobs, people being delivered of financial bondages, people being healed. It was so amazing to to really know that God is working powerfully. In fact, before I started um, uh, the session today, uh, there was a lady at the back there who said how her, her husband had lost a job, and within the three weeks that she came here, not only was he blessed with a job, it was an amazing opportunity that he got. Can this lady acknowledge this, please? Stand up. Is that true? Okay. All this happens, all this happens because we glorify God. I know the preaching is good. It's good, right? But it's not the preaching that does the trick. It is God who does it. And truly, truly, that hallelujah, you just say it with all your heart. Or say it even with half your heart and see what God does with you, okay? So when I tell you to do these things, it's not because I want you to make noise for noise sake. I want you to say this for your sake because I want you to be blessed. And I can see by the numbers over here that you are being blessed. Otherwise, you wouldn't come here, would you? So let these blessings continue day after day. And what I'm teaching you today is to make that happen. So is everyone attentive? Can you say, my heart is open? My My mind is open. open. I am going to understand. understand. And I'm going to be changed. changed. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Have you heard this now? Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors if you obey his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Have you heard this before? I'm pretty sure you have because most preachers teach this and they say, you want to be prosperous, you better do this. Because if you don't do this, nothing's going to happen to you. I'm going to tell you something from the New Testament also, okay? And this is from um, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Now, I'm going to leave a sentence incomplete and I'm pretty sure that most of you will be able to finish it. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with, wow, see, you knew it, with fear and trembling. And everybody, everybody who preaches here, especially the preachers of the law, say, you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, both these verses I quoted are from Scripture. They are the words of God. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit. The only problem with quoting these verses is in the first one, people haven't quoted what came before, and in the second one, people haven't quoted what came afterwards. So people take these things out of context, like very often preachers do, and they tell you God's love is conditional To you doing what he asks you to do. Because if you don't do it, he's not going to bless you. That is the greatest lie the devil has ever fed us. Which is why many of us even leave our faith. Because we find it impossible to do these things that God is asking us to do. Let me repeat that. God has given us a whole lot of commandments. They are impossible for any one of you to do. So then the question begs to be asked. Why then did God give us these commandments? You know the Ten Commandments? Moses went up to the mountain. He came down with these two tablets of stone. And in them were written Ten Commandments that God had given us. Why did God give us these commandments? One, to let us know what. He wanted us to do. Everybody with me? You have to keep them because this is what God desires we keep. But the second reason is to make us understand that the commandments by themselves, the law by themselves had no power to make us keep them. That anyone who tried to keep them was destined to fail. Because it is humanly impossible to keep any one of these commandments, even one. And he wanted us to realize that the only way we could keep these is if we relied on him for help. And that is when Jesus comes into the picture. But he's saying to all of you one more time. You think you can do this on your own, buddy? If you think that you're on your own. You think you can earn my blessings? You think you can bribe your way into my heart? You think you can achieve for yourself? What I am saying I can give you? Be my guest. And which is why for most of us, the Christian journey, one, has been unfulfilling, two, has been frustrating, and three, has been agonizing because we're expecting God to do all these things for us because of what we're doing and he's doing nothing. God wants you to know that here today. I want you to know that here today because I'm tired of Christians walking around with this Huge load on their backs. And all the time saying, God, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you doing anything for me? I'm looking at you. I'm praying for you. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And you're not responding. And we don't understand. We don't understand that we can't earn our way into God's favor. That his favor is already there with us, needing to be seized. And what is his favor his favor is His grace, still working in our lives through the power of His Spirit. Now, for a moment, I want you to go back 2,000 years to Jesus' time, and I want you to imagine that you are one of the 12 apostles. Be anyone. I always tell you to be Peter, but you can be anyone you want Like today. Who do you want to be? Paul? Okay. One of the apostles who was with Jesus... And Jesus, it's time for him to die. So Jesus can never speak straight, you know. Have you noticed in his entire word, he never speaks straight. It's always in riddles. And he says, now I'm going. (laughs) And where I'm going, you cannot follow. And you cannot see me now, but you will see me one day. And and they're totally confused, but then he confuses them all. But it is good for you that I go. He's the king. They've been waiting for years and years. And the king has finally come. And now he says bye. After three years with them. And he says it's good for you that I go. And in their heads they're scratching and saying. What does he mean it's good for us that he should go. And where is he going all these things. And you know why we want to keep doing them. Because we want to think in our hearts. That we are the ones doing it all. And that is the problem with us. And that is the problem with the entire church. And to be honest, I've made the same mistake. I'm going to tell you my story in brief because most of you know it already. Two months after my conversion, by the way, I converted 14 years ago last week. Okay. Two months after my conversion, I went for this retreat in South India. And over there, I basically gave my life to God. I said, God, my life is yours. Now, when I say my life is yours, I need to be like God, right? But how do I be like God? I need someone to follow. So I kind of come back and I go to my little prayer room and I am praying to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, Jesus, please send someone, put someone in my life that I can follow, that I can be like. And I heard this voice really loud and clear, be like Jesus. And I was so happy because, you know, all this while I thought it was Jesus I was talking to. But if it was Jesus I was talking to, he wouldn't say be like Jesus. He would say be like me. So I kind of think, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. And I was so happy. Does the Holy Spirit talk to you? Good. So I went to my neighbor and I said, guess what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me today. And the neighbor said, yes, yes. What did he say? And I said, the Holy Spirit said, be like Jesus. And she said, you're blaspheming. You want to be like God? And, you know, you know you've seen a balloon that kind of has the air go out. Pssst. I was like that. I said, I, I don't want to be like God. I kind of want to be like Jesus, you know, holy and Pure and perfect. Unfortunately, I had a good spiritual director at the time. So I went to him and I said, this is what I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to do. And he said, yes, every Christian has to be like Jesus. The balloon got pumped up again. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So this is the Holy Spirit talking to me. Otherwise, you know, who's this guy talking to me in my prayer room? But then I ran into another problem because Jesus is pure, yes. He's holy, yes. And he's perfect, yes. And he tells us, Jesus himself says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And now the problem I run up against is the fact that even my spiritual director says it's not possible for you to be perfect. Balloon deflected again. Okay, so I'm not supposed to be perfect, but God is telling me to be perfect. See, Matthew 5.48. And he says, yes, I know God is telling you to do that, but you can't be like that. Can you be perfect? You're afraid to answer so <laughs> never mind so I have this problem right through because God is telling me to do stuff and everyone is telling me I can't do it because it's not one or two everybody was telling me you can't be perfect how can you be perfect only God is perfect then why is God telling me to be perfect you see the problem God says you must bear fruit doesn't he you must bear fruit in big abundance so everyone will know that you're my disciples what are the fruit Apples, mangoes, oranges, guavas, grapes. No? Go on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, just because you know the names doesn't mean you're going to bear the fruit. True? So you have another problem. You're trying to be loving, but here you have this husband that told me he's such an (laughs) unpleasant guy. How do I love him? I mean, look at him. When I married him, he was nice and handsome. He was like 60 kilos and he had all his hair. Now look at him, fat, big, pot-bellied guy. sits in the corner and drinks beer all day. I'm not talking about anybody. <laughs> Please, all right? But you know what I'm saying. How do I be loving to him? Patient. God says, patience is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you will be patient. You come across a total idiot. You know, he harasses you morning, noon, and night. And I'm supposed to be patient with him. When all I want to do is get up and give him one You know the feeling? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I'm like that. I tell you guys, stand up, lift your hands and sing hallelujah. Someone still be sitting on the chair. Hey, you! Anyway. God tells us to do all these things. And the problem is we can't do it. But yet he's telling us to do it. I just read something to you. You have to do these things. And God says he will bless you. But I can't do it. I've tried to do it. So what is the answer? Paul discovered the answer because he had the same problem we had. We think all these holy guys just suddenly overnight became holy. Paul had the same problem. And he says, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. And I know what I shouldn't do, but I do it. So who will save me, this wretched person like me? Who can get me out of this mess that I'm in? And fortunately, he gets the answer. And he says, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when you understand this simple truth, simple. You know, I always tell you to say stupid. Today, <laughs> they say Simple. This is a simple truth that God is telling you, that all you need to do is to believe that he is in you. You know, last week we were having the Blessed Sacrament exposed, and I felt Jesus saying something that he said before he went. He said, if he comes back to earth, will he find faith in anyone? And to be honest, I looked at all of you and I said, Jesus, would you really find faith in anyone? Because sometimes we misunderstand faith, and we think that faith is just believing in Jesus. But I want to take you to another scripture, and if you can go home and memorize this, because it is really important. This is two Corinthians thirteen five. Say two Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Say it. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith then he says test yourselves say test test yourselves. then he says do you not realize say that christ jesus is in you unless of course, unless of course you, fail the test. you fail the test okay i'm going to read it again now you just listen to me and see these words they're so powerful he gave me, what, a hundred scriptures today. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Before I came for the talk today, he gave me hundred scriptures. And I said, I give hundred scriptures to them. Not a single one of them will be listening to me. They'll all be doing the zombie thing. You know what the zombie thing is? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Then he says, test yourselves. And then he says, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Examine yourselves, that's the first thing I want you to do today, to see if you are in the faith. Not if you have faith, okay? All of you believe in Jesus, right? He's saying, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Now having faith in Christ is having faith in Him. Believing in the faith is believing that Christ is in you. Everybody with me? then test yourselves if you really believe that Christ is in you. Because if you believe that Christ is in you, you will stop this stupid laboring and hard work and effort that you keep putting into everything you do to gain God's favor. And then once you realize that Christ is in you and you've tested that Christ really is in you, then you will start to walk in the holiness that Christ asks you to walk in without any effort at all. Because Christ is doing it all for you. You know, There's this song that we sing, Change My Heart, Lord. Have you heard that song? Can you sing it for me, please? Can you sing it in tune? (laughs) Never mind, sing it. Go on. Beautiful. Oh, Lord, He's so happy. then you are the potter I am the clay stop stop right there okay who's the potter are you sure you're not the potter no but why do I kind of get the impression you're the potter because you're the ones who keep making the pot And then you wonder why things are not working in your life, so you smash it and say, this is all rubbish, the Christian life. It is so hard, it is so difficult. I can't be a pot. I can't make a pot. See what the potter does, okay? I want you to just imagine you're a potter. 2,000 years ago. What would the potter do? Go to Ikea and buy clay from the store, nicely packaged? Would he do that? What would he do? He'd go out and he'd kind of gather clay, yes, including all the dirt in the clay, and he'd take that clay home. Then what would he do? He'd kind of poke the clay and prod the clay. He'd kind of squeeze it to make it supple. He'd mix water with it. He'd put it on the wheel, slap it on the wheel, and then he would spin the wheel. And then as the wheel was spinning, he'd keep searching the clay for any impurities. Now, does he expect to find impurities? Is he going to get upset because he finds impurities? Is he going to throw the clay away because there are impurities? What is he going to do? He's just going to take the impurities away and he's going to continue to mold the clay. What are we doing? Look at your lives. I told you today would change you. What are you doing? You're saying, no, this clay is different. The clay doesn't have free will. Okay, let's imagine the clay had free will. What are you going to tell the potter? No, don't use me because I'm defective, because I have impurities in me. Don't use me. Put me on a shelf till I become holy. And yet that is what we do. We keep telling God, hey, I'm going to do the work. And then I'll come to you. Because then i would have earned your love and earned your grace and earned your favor. Hey, God knows what you are inside out he knows the impurities in you he knows the weaknesses in you he says i will fix it that's my job i'm the potter not you say i am not the potter potter. I i am the clay so then what happens okay now let us imagine you say okay god i'm going to let you work with me imagine your clay you're being squeezed and crushed and slapped around and turned around and spun around and some of you don't have jobs you believe in Jesus and you believing in all the things that I'm telling you. Some of you are struggling with a lot of things, okay? And you wonder, why is the potter not working on me? The potter is. Making a pot takes some time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes skill. It takes patience. And God wants to make sure that all the impurities in you are taken off or removed. Because you know what happens if you go out there with impurities in you. Have you ever seen a pot with impurities in it? You know, it looks firm on the outside, but the slightest pressure and the pot crumbles. I've been to, I've been to this place in, in the Caribbean, and this lady had, a, had an amazing vase. Not a vase, a water jug. With a handle that was very weirdly shaped, you know. And I, for the life of me, couldn't wonder why the handle didn't break every time I picked it up. Because there's no way that little handle could support the entire weight of the pot. But I realized so much work had gone into it that the potter had made sure that every single thing was strong. But think of what might have happened if the potter had left the impurities in the clay. I'd have lifted that and that thing would have come out in my hand. And that is why sometimes you go through what you're going through. Not because God doesn't love you. Not because you haven't been good enough for him. Not because you've blown it. Not because you've not prayed enough. Are you listening to me? Because God wants to shape you into the person he wants you to become. Are you listening to me, church? And that is what I see in you. Week after week, you're coming and you're becoming wonderful people, not because of what you're doing, but because of what He's doing in you. You want to bear these fruit? You have to remember that He's the vine, and you are the. Say, I am not the vine. vine. Say, "I I am the branch. There was this preacher who one day came to his congregation with two roses. One of them was nice and bright and red. The other one had been left out in the sun for a few days and had kind of wilted. So he showed the two roses to the congregation, and he said, "Which of them is dead? Which of them do you think was dead?" The one that had wilted, right?" And the sky said, "No, both of them are dead." Because the only way the rose can be alive is if it is affixed to the vine. And that is our problem. We think we're going to bear the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. You're going to do it? Hey, given the choice between love and hate, I know what we'll pick. I know, really. You know, he acts mean mean to me. You think I want to be loving to him? I want to take him and I want to twist him and I want to squeeze him. I want to stamp over him. Is that your wife? Sorry. But when you let God work in you and through you, Then you start to experience his love. His love flows because he's doing the work. And now before I conclude and we get into some time of awesome ministry, I want to tell you what was there before Deuteronomy 30 verse 9. Read, listen to this. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him and all your heart, with all your soul, and live. The Lord will do it. Why do the preachers leave this out? I don't know. These are words of grace to understand that the Lord is going to do everything in you. Now let me read to you what Philippians says after Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling this is what he says for it is God who is at work in you enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure so the fear and trembling should come when you're trying to rely on your own effort and that is when you should be afraid, because what you're doing is you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit inside you. And you're saying, I don't need you, need you, Lord, to be holy. I can be holy on my own. I can go to church every morning, and I can pray over there, and I can tell everybody, see how much I'm praying. I can fast for a week, do without anything, and I say, Lord, I'm fasting so much. Now you've got to listen to me. i fasted you for a week. This is not to say that praying and fasting is wrong. I'm going to come to that in a minute. But it's to say that if we think we're going to earn these things because we pray a you fast, hey, you got it all wrong. You're told, tithe. I've told you that myself. I said, yes, we are blessed when we tithe. But if you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take now 1,000 dirhams from my pocket. My goodness, no, that's too much, no? 100 dirhams from my pocket. No, even that might be too much. 10 dirhams from my pocket, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. See in front of everybody. Everybody look, I'm putting 10 dirhams in the collection box. And then we go to God and say, okay, God, now where's my (laughs) 100? That's not going to work. You see what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And yet that is what we try to do. We try to say, look, I've done this. now. Now you do this. And it doesn't work. Because God doesn't make bargains with people. He says, all this is yours for free. You either take it or you leave it. And most of us leave it. And that is the shame for us. What do you need to do today to get healed? What do you need today to do to get blessed? What do you need to do today to get anointed? Nothing. Nothing. Just believe that he loves you and is in you. That is all he asks you to do. And if you do that, welcome to the easy life because that's what Jesus promises us an easy and an abundant life that none of us have been living any of these years. And it breaks my heart into. But worse than me, it breaks our God's heart into. He says, I love them so much and they still don't understand that whatever I give them is freely given. What is so difficult? Tell me what is so difficult. Yes, I know in the world we have learned we don't get anything without, without a price, right? Not in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, everything is free. He says, come to me, all those who want to drink, all those who want to eat. Everything is without cost. Everything is free. Now, you want to argue with that? Let him see faith here today. And our faith is simple. Look at me. I really am free. And there are times when I get down. And there are times when I do stupid things. And I have the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He doesn't convict me of my sin. If I start to feel bad about myself, he convicts me of that. And he says, what's wrong with you? Have you forgotten how much God loves you? Come on. And that is the way the church needs to be to each other. But we can't be like that towards each other unless we understand that God is like that with us. Look at the next time you point a finger at somebody. You know why you're doing that? It's because you feel condemned. When you feel condemned, you will condemn others. But when you feel accepted, you feel significant, you feel important, then you will make everybody else around you feel accepted and significant and important. And that is the way we need to be. Now, I'm going to continue this class next week, this teaching next week, okay? I didn't want to cover too much today because I wanted you to get it in small portions. Did you get everything today? But I want to leave you with this final message. How do we do this? You need to pray, okay? That's the only way to do it. You need to be with God. You need to be together with him. But more than anything else, you need to stop being proud. And a lot of us are proud. You know, I, when I came to this, this, this country, I, I came working as a clock for 11 hours a day in some place in the desert, um, and it was a miserable existence, okay? And from there, I moved to becoming a very, quite a popular, famous businessman. And in my heart, these are days I didn't believe in God. I thought, I'm the one who did it. And it's nice to feel that way, not that I'm a self-made man. But unfortunately when it comes to spirituality we also think we're self-made people. We're not. We're people because we are people who are what we are and who we are because of Jesus. So let us not be proud and let us admit to him that this is our mistake. The second thing is anger. Sometimes we're angry with God because we don't kind of we kind of blame him for the things that are not happening in our lives. We say, Lord, I've done everything you told me to do. I've gone to inner healing. I've made my confession 672 times. I have um, sat on my head. Whatever we do, yeah, and you're still not blessing me. And you know what I'm saying? And we get angry. You're still not answering my prayer. And the third thing is simply fatigue. We get tired. And we say, I've tried and tried and tried and nothing has happened, so I give up. So what I want us to do today is just go to God and say, hey, look, I'm sorry I've relied on my own effort. I've relied on my own steam. Let me to do, help me to just trust in you and your love that you will complete the good work that you have started in me. Which brings me to my final point. Say, I am not the worker. I am, the I am the workmanship, and I have been beautifully crafted, been beautifully crafted by, my God, by my God who loves me. Who loves me. A few clarifications because, before I close so that none of you misunderstand what I said. This doesn't mean you don't have to go for confession. You do. And in fact, one of the first things that I would do is when I sinned is go for confession. But what I would confess, first of all, is to say, Lord, once again, I relied on my strength and not yours. Because if we relied on God's strength, we wouldn't sin. Everybody with me? Doesn't mean to say we don't need to go for inner healing. There's a lot of hurts and wounds in us that make us react. So inner healing and getting that wound healed in our heart is a very good thing. Is everybody still with me? We also need to go to the sacraments regularly, but not because... It is something that we have to do because if we don't do it, we'll go to hell. We need to go there because Jesus says, if I remain, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Can we remember this? Okay, say it with me. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Okay? And then he says, if anyone eats my body, And drinks my blood, he will remain in me and I in them. So when you go for communion next time, receive him with this understanding that he is in you. And that is the faith that God wants you to have, that he is in you. Yes? Yes? Easy. Now you want blessings? You know what? You already got them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very good. Let's stand up and we sing, change my heart, O Lord. And then we'll get into ministry. Trust me when I say, don't ask God for anything tonight. For once, trust him that he knows what he's doing, okay? Trust me when I say he knows what is wrong with you. Trust me when I says he knows if you need a job or if you need money or you need a spouse or you need a car or whatever you need. He knows it. So forget about all of that for five minutes of your life. Just forget all your worries. Forget about the fact your husband might be a pot-bellied drunkard. Forget about the fact your wife might be a knack. Forget about the fact your children might be disobedient and living alternate lifestyles. Forget about the forget about everything except the fact that God is here and he is in you and remember that this power within you is the power that breathes life into everything remember that he is the potter and we are the clay and all we need to do tonight is to let him mold us and as he molds us with loving fingers he's going to shape us into the person he wants us to be he's created us he has made us for greatness he has made us to be pure and holy He has made us to be people that He can be proud of. And you have to trust that He is going to do what He wants to do in us. And part of that plan is to make sure that you are happy and you are whole, that you're contented, that you have everything you need. Because in His word, He says, don't worry about these things like the pagans. Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? I will look after you. I will look after your every need. Forget about them now. You just look at me and let me shape you in my hands. Change my heart, all over. it ever new, make it ever new, change my heart, oh Lord, change my heart, oh God, may I be like you, may I be like you, you are the potter, I am the clay. i pray this is what i pray change my mind oh lord Lord, you have heard our prayer, we've listened to your words, we've understood them to mean that we don't need to strive and struggle the manner that we've been doing all this time, but to trust you, trust your love, and trust your saving grace working in us and through us through your Holy Spirit. We want to be like you in every way because you've created us in your image and likeness to be like you. It is you who tell us to be holy. You who tell us to be pure. And you who tell us to be perfect. And We've understood that no matter what we do, we can't be these things if we try out of our own strength. But we're coming to understand more and more with every week that passes that if we trust you and we trust your love and we trust your grace, your amazing grace, then you will accomplish everything that you want to accomplish in us. And we want to thank you for that, Lord, because we want to leave here tonight not loaded with our bad ends. We want to leave here free. Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.